episode 7 of Volcano Bake Meat. Silly Rabbit, games are for kids. I'm Connor. I'm Jeff. I'm Jessica. I'm Paige. And I'm Grant. And you may have noticed that in this episode we had new and improved theme music at the beginning, and there will be even more at the end. That was produced by a friend of mine called Techne. Check the description for a link to his SoundCloud profile. Uh, so the subject of today is Silly Rabbit Games Are For Kids, mainly uh, what makes a kid-friendly game a game that adults would want to play, or maybe why do adults play games that might initially have been intended for kids? Where do you draw the line on that? What does it really mean? Uh, what games would we include in that bucket? So on and so forth. So we'll discuss that today, which will be fun. And we'll open up this discussion real quick with a question of, guys, what is your personal favorite game that you play that might be considered, quote-unquote, for kids? Grant, why don't we start with you? Uh, well, in previous episodes, I've spoken heavily of my love of Star, or, uh, Star Fox 64. Yes, you have. <laughs> uh, Star Fox 64 is probably still one of my favorite games, period. Mm. And uh, on account of it being a Nintendo game, Nintendo generally puts all their games in the same bucket of being intended for a younger audience, um, or at least appropriate for a younger audience. Right. And I think that actually it does so in an interesting way in that there are the easier, hard, branching paths that are very clearly marked, so you can kind of have a, an experience of branching difficulty based on what you want. That's a very good point. And actually, really quickly, I remember way back, maybe five or six years ago, my younger brother and I were in downtown Chicago, and we walked into a little video game shop. He ended up buying a used N64 and Star Fox 64, and I hadn't played it since I was a kid. He brought it home, and he played it, and he had fun, but I played it, and I'd never actually been able to do the hard missions before. I finally did. It was mind-blowing. Yeah, he, he, he was amazed that I could blow through it as fast as I did. And as I've said before, I, I honestly believe Area 6 Defense Station is just one of the best single levels in a video game. It's still still a very fun game. Yeah. I can verify. Okay. Uh, I've got two answers, and I'll try to keep it brief. Just for gameplay, I keep coming back to Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Uh, okay. Just because I had it as a child, and I played it a lot in junior high going into high school. I did too. Yeah, and it's, it's not the best game. There are definitely parts that you look at and it's like, why would you... I mean, the Emerald missions are just a mess. And the uh, raps about the Emeralds are also a mess. That's the best part of that game. <laughs> that sounds horrific. The great horrific. Emerald's power, I can feel it in my feet. They're around somewhere. I still have the Halloween level stuck in my head, so like, I, can, I can think of it right now. It's horrible. Sometimes I wake up at night and it's just the Halloween level in my ears and a tiny little ping. Ping. ping <laughs> oh, yeah. The no, radar. Uh, but the Ugh. the uh, multiplayer Sonic levels, so, so where you can play as Sonic or uh, Shadow or Rose, are still really fun as long as you don't have someone playing with you who's figured out that Rose is broken. Yeah, right. Amy was ridiculous. Or Amy, why am I saying Rose? Well, her last name Rose. Rose. Her last yeah. name is Rose. Maybe you're just being really formal. I am. <laughs> Uh, Miss Rose, yeah. Miss Rose. Uh, but from a storytelling standpoint, I have a deep love for so or Lego Batman 2. Lego okay. Batman 2, I would postulate, is the best Batman story I have seen, like Batman Joker story I've seen in years that was not written by Scott Snyder. Because it's a really good encapsulation of Batman wants to get things done. Superman wants to help and can't understand why Batman gets annoyed when he comes in to fix everything. <laughs> and Joker's big evil plan is to get a machine that will break down black bricks. 
because everything Batman owns is made out of black <laughs> made out bricks. Of black bricks. I forgot and about that point. If the Joker gets this machine that breaks down black bricks, he can break all of Batman's toys. It's not about taking over the world. It's not about killing people. It's about breaking Batman's stuff and making Batman angry. <laughs> it's what the Joker would really want. That <laughs> really is. Just it's to, perfect. Just to mess with Batman. And Having just, not played the Lego games, that is actually a brilliant no, way of looking really, at it. It boils really down is the characters brilliant. really well. It makes a kid-friendly but fun and well-written plot. And it just gets the characters at their core in a way that a lot of people who have made the stories for adults don't. My favorite quirk about that game story is that Robin is a total Superman fanboy. Yeah. Robin just gets really, really, really excited every time Superman shows up and wants his autograph, and that only pisses Batman off more. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. How about you, Jessica? Um, <clears throat> so I know I've mentioned it before, Nancy Drew. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, specifically, they are very much marketed for, like, ten-year-old girls. And yet. <laughs> and yet. Yeah. And yet. I mean, that being said, the senior level detective is, uh, it's quite challenging. No. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, on another end of things, like, the Kirby games. Mm. Okay. Right? Mm, yeah. You know, it, Kirby it, can get Kirby, hard, actually, Kirby sometimes. ridiculously fucking hard. I mean, like, <laughs> there, you know, you start off and it's like, yay, it's a cute little football, la 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 la, and then, like... God, by like world three or four, you're going, okay, this is getting kind of hard. And then at the end of it, you're like, God damn it! <laughs> um, similarly, I know we all would agree Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon. All right, yeah. Pokemon. Pokemon. Yep. yep. Taking the easy way out, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, haven't had a little more time to think about it. There are a couple of games that come to mind. The first one being Age of Empires. There is still a part of me that just loves going back, booting up real quick, playing through a few quick scenarios, one or two of the campaign missions, just whatever there is. I played that game when I was very young. It's simple, it's easy to understand. You build meat to use to do soldiers, wood and stone build buildings, gold buys other stuff, and you just build a giant army and throw it at the enemy and have fun. And I never played the multiplayer, so I never got into the competitive scene where it was, oh, you build... 13 villagers before you start building your barracks, or I never knew. I just played the single player, and I had a great time with it. And that great time translates just as much now as an adult as it did when I was a kid. The other game which comes to mind specifically is Mario Kart. I... <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I never really got to experience Mario Kart as a kid, so every once in a while I will crawl out of my room away from my Dota pit <laughs> and uh, and I'll come out. We've got a Wii U out in the living room, and I'll grab the tablet and just sit there while they're doing whatever they want on the TV and play a round or two of Mario Kart just by myself. Just have fun, you know? It's super simple, stupid fun. And I enjoy that. That's yeah. a very good point. But my, uh, well, my game uh, that I think, and this is relatively new, uh, I had a couple, but the biggest one, I think, uh, for me would be Minecraft. I And it, honestly... To be fair, it might be a bit of an unfair answer, though, since I think the game, when it was first, when it first really became big, wasn't necessarily targeted towards kids. It was just kind of an indie game that kind of got out there, and people were starting to pick up and play, and it got more and more popular. And once it once it became big, suddenly, though, uh, tons of, of younger 
gamers and kids started just flocking to it en masse. And even now, when you think of Minecraft, most people who weren't there uh, from the beginning or weren't used to it kind of getting big and turning into this huge game worldwide sensation will consider it as a game that mainly 11-year-old boys play. Which is frustrating. It is frustrating. Because <laughs> it's such a great game. It really is. Um, but that is that is probably my favorite game that I play that is, at least stereotypically, um, targeted mainly towards towards children. It gets dark, too, actually. It does. In a few places. And it, I, Once I, you start going to the nether, or the underworld... Uh, no, not the, even the that, nether, really. yeah. The nether, I mean, during you can find you know just remains of other stuff underground. Like, the mineshafts, mm-hmm. they added, kind of creeped me out. So I'm like, so there were people here once? Where did they all go? Mm-hmm. They died. Well, maybe, maybe yeah, that's why it's targeted to kids. And they don't think about the that. Zombies and stuff. Uh, that just, you know, the villages that can suddenly get cleared out. Yep. First, first village. Them. First village I lost to zombies still kind of hurts. Like I failed them. <laughs> yeah. Well, good answers, guys. Then actually, you. so. What are some other popular games that appeal to kids but are often played by adults as well? Because I've noticed there's some a bit of a trend here. Um, not necessarily for all of our answers, but in quite a few of them we mentioned Nintendo. Yeah. Pretty much, almost, I'd say almost every Nintendo game is... With the exception of Mario Party. <laughs> Adults know to avoid Mario Party. <laughs> okay. They've figured it out by now. Or they know to flock on... to Mario Party with lots of alcohol. And depending on the uh, company, people have learned to avoid Mario Kart as well. Yeah, Um, that's true. Connor sits on the other side of the room for me now. (laughs) That's right. Very, really quickly, guys. So you all know, the first time we played uh, Mario Kart, Jessica and I, together, it was at like a Gameworks, and they had the whole like rig set up with the wheels, and I beat her, and she started choking me. I mean, I, I beat her in the game. You know, I didn't physically beat her. She did physically start choking. You know? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was sitting on my right, and I had been winning the entire time, and he pulled a cheap fucking move. It's Mario Kart. That's what you do. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, uh, he God. pulled a cheap move, and so I immediately, without even thinking, especially about the fact that we were in public, turn and start throttling him. <laughs> Meanwhile, I just cruised behind in third and pretended I didn't notice. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Connor turned a special color that day. (laughs) Got a purpley. Can I just say that I live with these people and it is as great as you think it is? (laughs) It is. Well, I think uh, Jessica briefly mentioned it, but I think Pokemon bears some some real, real looking into. Because the interesting thing to me about Pokemon is that, like, it is very, very, very heavily marketed towards kids. Yes. Absolutely. I mean... It, you know, it was practically overnight when it first came to the States. Everybody needed Pokemon everything. Yep. But when you... Much to the chagrin of my parents. Yes. Much to all the of our parents. Everyone's parents. Yes. Sorry, Dad. But yeah. I think the interesting thing about Pokemon is that, like, it was so heavily marketed towards kids and everything like that, but when you really dig down, at least in the games, when you really dig deep into the games, they're actually incredibly complex games. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like the original, the original red, blue, and yellow are still held up as being three of the hardest Pokemon games that you can play. I got to simplistic. the Elite Four. No, never beat them. Well, the thing is, they're not simplistic. Is the thing like well, sim- simple in terms of like you go, plot you line. catch Pokemon, you go to gyms, it's, you it's, beat the gym. It's layer. simple to play, right? It's but under the hood, it's incredibly complex. Yeah, there, there's it more is. to it, but to just get it, to just run with it, to actually get it and go, there's really not that, it's not that difficult. No, it's an interesting mix. 
easy to play, difficult to master. Well, and I think it's interesting, Jeff, saying, you know, like, that you couldn't beat the original Elite Four. Nope. Because they have definitely shifted as time's gone on to become more kid-friendly. Like, X and Y, Grant and I played it. I beat the champion in X and Y without the champion ever actually getting an opportunity to take an action. X and Y was a a joke. I just, I one-shot at all six of her Pokemon in a row. It was really sad. X and Y was way too easy, and I think Mm -hmm. the idea was we need to recapture kids, because obviously... Pokemon's one of those games where everyone acknowledges that it's not just a kid's game. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, out of... Out of most of these kid-friendly titles that adults also play, Pokemon is one that if you say, as an adult, I still play Pokemon, people go, yeah, that's fair. As opposed to, like, weirdly, you might still get looks for playing Mario, which is bizarre. It is, but whatever. When you say you play Pokemon, there's, like, a 10% chance the next thing that person will say to you is, I want to be the, the very, very best. best. Like, like, like no, no one was before. Oh, no, no, Josh, no. Get out. All right, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> Connor, what were you going to say? So what I was going to say was, uh, on your point, Jessica, about X and Y, they, they absolutely did make it way easier of a game. The challenge level was reduced. I remember when you with the rival battles that occur throughout the match, you have an oh, option yeah. to just not do them. Which is such crap. Like, just like, we can battle, you know, if you want. <laughs> that, makes me, that makes me kind of wonder, though. It's, I, I kind of find that interesting from the angle of maybe they were experimenting with the game's experience. And maybe yeah. that was something they were worried, okay, maybe kids aren't really, maybe kids play more for the experience. They're not so much on the, you know, the difficulty. That's what the older kids and the adults seem to go for. Which I'm not necessarily, necessarily sure I would agree with. In fact, I would disagree with that. Because there's actually, actually there's one game in particular I play for the experience, not for the difficulty, and that is Pokemon Snap. <laughs> <laughs> Though at times it again can be a fair. With the Pokemon Snap. Yep, it's hit the buzzer. I said it again, but at times the game can be fairly challenging. But no, I play that game because it's honestly fun. I think kids can kind of. I think they can do both. I think there are certain kids who really who kind of enjoy the difficult part of games. I think there are kids who just enjoy the just the plain experience part of games. Maybe they don't necessarily want to rival battle every time. Maybe they want to spend more time in the contests and the individual battles and just kind of exploring the Pokemon world. Um, well, I think an interesting, another interesting example that properly, I think, walks that tightrope of the experience versus the difficulty would be uh, the Roller Coaster Tycoon games. Yeah. Because playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, I mean, that's another one that obviously not on the same level as Pokemon, but did sort of, it sort of became ubiquitous really quickly. Oh, everyone played it. It did. Um, and you can go back and you can play it and you can have that experience of, I'm going to build a cool, sweet coaster and sell cotton candy and drop guests who don't like my park into the lake. Sweet and coaster, bro. Yeah, but then I went back and played Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Actually, Paige and I played Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. And we decided, oh, let's try one of the challenge, like one of the actual oh, challenges. Yeah. Mm. That is, you have to reach a certain number of fans, or you know, a certain park approval rating, or whatever, by the end of year three, or whatever it is. Right. And it's actually really difficult. We got wrecked. <laughs> there's like two fully formed adult people putting their heads together trying to play this game, and we got destroyed by this challenge. And so, now you know how hard it is for real roller coaster tycoons, Grant. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I not, respect those now. It's, so like, it's not just a life of. You know, killing people in cotton candy. <laughs> um, <laughs> if only. So the game if does a really only. good job. Well, the game probably could make it more explicit, but the game does a good job of if you just want the basic, I'm a build stuff, 
and make Sweet Coasters experience versus I want to be challenged, you've got that. Well, and I think another game that took it a different way that is a Nintendo game that I really appreciated was Fire Emblem Awakening. Mm. I played mm. a lot of Fire Emblem as a kid, like, and it was rough. Because the thing about Fire Emblem is if someone dies in battle, they die in real life. I mean, not Nintendo has a bunch of black <laughs> mages in a basement somewhere. I was going to say, wait, what? Permadeath. Permadeath. Okay. <laughs> just, just permadeath. Okay. No, but I mean, if there was someone who was crucial to your build, and or just you feel bad about people dying permanently, and they were in your game, and they died because they got enough people ganging up on them, you restarted that battle. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated in Fire Emblem Awakening, they had two different difficulty settings. One for the difficulty of battle, and one for how much you want people to die. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, just you could turn it to casual mode, and it just made it so that well, there party members modes. respawned. Yeah, it was mm. permanent. Party members respawn after battle. Or was Phoenix, they never die? Yeah, Phoenix mode was only introduced in Fates. Okay. No and one. it was, I, so I haven't played it. But I think it was like they respawn at the end of a turn or something stupid like that. That was It was a bit much for me. Yeah, but if you want that different experience, like, if you want the challenging, like, I'm gonna make this brutal for myself experience, you could, but if that makes the gameplay less fun for you, or if you're a kid and you don't want to deal with that, you don't have to. I just want to build a little bit on what you said about undergoing brutal gameplay experiences as a kid my first game that i ever really played was age of empires my second game was baldur's gate 2 <laughs> you had a you had an interesting introduction to video games as a child i really did <laughs> but that said that game is still one of the harder games around you can you can definitely metagame it and just power your way through and be like okay i know where this sword is i know where this spell is I know this party member with this item does this, and having played the game the number of times that I have, I know all this stuff, but that game was not easy, and it, oh my gosh. My point is, though, there are definitely kids out there, I was one of them, who really do enjoy that more difficult experience, and I'm glad that there are still games out there that offer it. That's actually something I wanted to ask you, So, but, but based on your experience playing that game as a, as a child... In your in your head while while playing it or after playing it, did you still see it as a game that was like for for you for you for like kids like you, or did you think you were playing an adult game? Thought never crossed my mind. Actually, okay. I I was so into the story of what was happening and trying to follow the eighteen million plot threads that were going on and exploring the rich world. I I was so into the escapist element of it. I was so far in there that I didn't even think I have no idea what I'm doing. So you know, in, in your head, the binary never existed of this is a game for adults or this is a game for kids. No, for me, it was just this is a different world that I can go to to be out of the world that I'm in. Okay. Quick story, I remember I picked up the enhanced edition of the first Baldur's Gate when it came out, rolled up a rogue character, got out of the initial town, started walking down the road, an arrow flew through the sky, hit me, and I died. <laughs> This is a D&D based game. It uses D&D rules to run the game. I never got to roll initiative. An arrow just flew through the sky and killed me. See, it's not that easy being a rogue in real life, Grant. No, it's not. It's not yeah. all killing people in cotton candy. <laughs> it's not all killing people in cotton candy. Well, and I think that that's interesting is we just, like, 
and we'll probably make this assumption later in this episode, we just assume mm. kids don't like things that are hard or where they can't win. Very true. If we look at the generation before us, they were brought up on Nintendo hard games. When Nintendo did not mean easy, Nintendo meant punishing. Yeah. Because yes. they didn't have much space on the games, they had to make them hard to beat. Original Legend of Zelda. Our generation? Original, original Ninja Gaiden. Original Coach Mario. Yeah. Well, original Mega Man? Metroid? Okay. Yeah. Mega, actually, Mega Man. That's good. Yeah, uh, Mega Man. But, I mean, look at our generation. The first game a lot of people played in our generation, or an early game at the very least, was when they went into their elementary school computer lab, their basic computer lab, and they played some Oregon Trail. Oh, gonna, God. I, I thought you were going to say Kid Picks. No. <laughs> the punishing kid difficulty too. of Kid Picks, too. It could be punishing. No, but oh, man, especially when you couldn't get the animation to work the way you wanted. Just just forcing you to bask in the hideousness of what you'd create. They accidentally, they accidentally hit the dynamite and just destroyed all of this work. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. But, I mean, Oregon Trail was not, like, when you were at that age level that Oregon Trail was aimed at, part of what Oregon Trail taught you was death. Yeah, <laughs> like it taught you the reality of death. You were, died of dysentery. Yeah, like it taught you that you should be glad that you do not live in an age of wagon trails and dysentery deaths, or dying because you broke your leg and it got infected by gangrene, and exactly. that's just how it goes. See, it's not that yeah. easy. It's not all killing people in cotton candy. It's not <laughs> all killing people in cotton candy. Yeah, new episode title: Not all killing people in cotton candy. Games for kids. <laughs> but the idea that hard equals not for kids is not necessarily it's more of an adult construction and not always a kid's construction i think it's a mis i think it's a misunderstanding made by a lot of adults it is no i mean i know i mentioned before one of my favorite games as a kid was i actually loved playing ribbon Oh and I god! Was so proud of myself when I beat it the first time. And I still like, haven't beat Riven. Oh, I find it ridiculously easy to beat anymore. But that's because I beat it like seven or eight times. Well, there you go. <laughs> I got stuck first... in Mist and Rage quit. <laughs> oh, see, <laughs> that's it's... understandable. Admittedly, Mist I didn't beat until I was like seventeen. <laughs> like... Well, Mist requires a lot more reading than Riven does. Mist, you have to sit down and read all the books in the library, and then you can go do it. So. so that's actually an interest. That's an interesting point. I, I had I had another thought, but I'll bounce it bounce off of this first. Of the with some games, it's not just a matter of like difficulty or simplicity. It's a matter of like can a kid even really do that? Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I first started playing Pokemon, I didn't totally have a reading totally down yet. Yeah. So certain parts of that game were a bit difficult. Like mm-hmm. when the old man shows you how to catch a Pokemon, but I didn't really know what he was telling me. So like played most of the first part of the game with just one Pokemon, <laughs> old school, hardcore style. Yeah. Um, True Nuzlocke. Yeah. So that, I wouldn't necessarily rack that up to difficulty, but I would rack it up to, to in some cases, it really is like... Accessibility. Kids, exactly. A kid is not at that stage, developmentally, where they can really take this on, and that goes into my the original point I had, which is I think a lot of kids, specific, you know, literally, literally children, are at the stage in their development cycle where they're learning to the, a, a hyperactive level. Everything they see, everything they hear, everything they consume is all learning, and they're building, you know, their understanding of the world and 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 how how, how they're supposed to think and so on and so forth. To and obvious because for obvious reasons, to a much higher extent than adults do. So it's kind of disappointing that adults tend to think that kids want things simpler because sometimes challenge is more engaging, and more engagement ultimately leads to a better. It's, it's, it's a better experience, at least from a learning perspective, because you're learning about the challenge of it, you know, how to time things right, different levels, ways to progress, things to upgrade. It's overall, I think, a more engaging experience for kids, which I think is, which I think is worth more to them, personally. Well, 
but I think there can also be a problem when kids know they want more than a game full of pink ponies is giving them. They want more challenge, they want more, and they assume the default setting is to go to the adult games instead mm. of looking for a more rich children's game, which, as we're talking about in this episode, are out there. There was a really heartwarming story I saw on Reddit where this guy was playing Grand Theft Auto, which is not meant for children. I think I know the story, but continue. Yeah. Uh, And he saw this one kid who was really struggling, and he started talking to the kid. Turns out the kid was like eight, I want to say. Maybe a little older, but about that age range. And the thing was, not only was the game dealing with violence, sexual content, language that the kid... Maybe you shouldn't have been dealing with... Probably not. <laughs> Slight chance. From a mechanic standpoint, he just didn't have the skills. Like, most people who were playing had been playing video games for years, and so they were used to taking each other on a multiplayer, but he wasn't quite at that level yet, and so he kept losing, and he kept getting frustrated, and he wasn't having fun anymore. Understandably. Yeah. And so the guy talked to him and said, hey, like, it's not because you're a kid, but I can tell you're not, you know, like, enjoying this. And he convinced the kid, and I think the kid's dad, to sell the game back and use that money to buy Rayman. No. And the kid was so much happier yeah. because it's still a fun, challenging platformer. And you can even get competitive with it if you oh, want. Oh, you can get competitive oh, if you want to. You can slap the crap out of your friends. <laughs> but you like, turn them into bubbles and laugh as you run. Yep. The game ah. was made with an understanding that some of the people playing it will not have been playing games for as long or might not be as skilled or dexterous or whatever. Right. And that made them happier because it does have those little, not crutches, but guides and helps built into the system because they know they might be dealing with a child audience. Yeah. Right. I don't think this is really only true for kids, but I do think kids especially are prone to being overwhelmed in terms of how a game, in terms of what a game is. Is it is are the controls a bit too complex? Is it is an experience that they really would not have you know uh, well, prior experience with like multiplayer? Like, do they really not know how to act in this environment or how to actually play this part of it? So, is it a challenge to them? Are they mature enough to not tell the person that they slept with their mother? <laughs> and they learn that they listen to other people say that and they learn it, and then you know that's just experience. It's all uphill from here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if they're saying that, they must be like the older kids. Yeah. yeah. But actually, that's a very good that's a very good point. Kids also, in the same way that adults, I think, make that that miscalculation of well, clearly kids want this simpler, or to make it easier is to make it more for kids. I think kids also make on the other end assume that well, if it's harder, then clearly it's for adults, or like if it's an adult game, then clearly it's just it's just harder. Which yeah. in some cases, you know, is somewhat true, but it's not necessarily no. an exact correlation, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, like, um, I actually had this really interesting moment the other day where a kid came in and was looking for a game and was asking, like, well, what kind of games do you usually like to play or what have you played recently? He was like, well, I'm, I didn't really like this one, so I don't want anything like this. And I'm like, okay. He's like... I was playing this game, it was called, like, the Stanley... Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, God. Was, like, it was really weird. I just, like, followed a line, and then I'm like, you... The Stanley Parable? <laughs> At least he like... wasn't emotionally traumatized like I was. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> no. no. I, I know, I think he got bored, and, it, like, it, from the sounds uh-huh. of it, he just, he didn't get it, and I he could... got really bored, and he just, like, didn't didn't like it and I'm like well and that thank is, god for right, that right right but that's an example of a simple to play game 
that I don't think any child should ever play. No, that, that was, absolutely not. I, it probably overwhelmed. It was too much for him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he. It sounded like he got bored very quickly. I mean, even like let's look under Nintendo because, as we said earlier, Nintendo tends to publish games for children, like yes. that are child friendly. Targeted at kids, yeah. anyway, yeah. If I was a kid, and I was like, I like Samus, I like playing as Samus in, you know, Smash. And then I picked up Metroid Prime, I would be bored out of my skin. That was my experience. I got Metroid Prime uh, for Christmas when I think I was like eight or nine, and easy? I was bored by it. Is it easy? It's not, I mean, We're it's not... thoughtful. Yeah, like, it's not lot. easy. It's not hard, either. It's just that... It is, yeah, it's thoughtful. It's a lot of her in her suit learning things from data logs and moving around in her environment and putting pieces together from the data logs she gathers. It's not a lot of not especially. very intense action. It's not a ton of... I mean, it's like, a 3D Metroidvania game. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's wandering around and figuring out, oh, now that I have this power, I can break down this thing to get over here, accessing new parts of the map. It's not an action-packed, you are you know, a badass bounty hunter blowing up aliens. There's some of that, but it's more of an exploration-based game. Mm. And that wasn't what I was on board for. But then in college, I got my hands on the Metroid Prime Trilogy Edition on Wii and played through all three of them, and you were there. I could not put it down. Uh, like, yeah. it's amazing, but it's just, yeah, it the, the vastness of what the game experience was and the very particular... Cerebral makes it sound more pretentious than it is, but slightly more intelligent approach, like the Stanley Parable. Yeah, more thinky approach, like the Stanley Parable, was too much for me at that age, so I didn't properly appreciate it. Actually, I also had a a personal experience with something like that, where the game itself was, I could tell, from what I had heard, at least very good, but it was a bit too much for me. When I was about nine years old... I went to Blockbuster, and I rented Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes. Hit the button. Hit the button. Yeah, I didn't bring up Metal Gear this time. No, it was yeah. me. But, oh, my God. I was playing the game like, okay. And, and just the thing, I went back and played that, like, last year as a grown man. And the controls took me, like, an hour to get used to. Like, oh, what, what even is this? I was like, I don't even know how I... And I, I got farther as a kid, though, is the thing. As a kid, I finished the level. I couldn't finish it as an adult. I don't know what I did when I was a kid, but clearly I had better better handle on it than I do now as a 24-year-old grown person. Well, I think that maybe... We're talking about a lot of games that don't appeal to kids, but I kind of am curious to get back to the kids' games that we play, why do we play them? And what gives it that element where they are hefty enough for the kids who want an adult game but aren't ready for it. So what does that give? Well, I think something that we've actually we've brought up a few times, and I think we can, maybe we, maybe we can't, but I think we can agree on it. This is something that maybe where you can draw a line between like maybe game for more mature people, adults versus kids, maybe more immature people, is that there is one key difference between maybe a kid's game and not a kid's game, and that is that the developmental barrier. Of like, is there too much reading in this? Is the subject matter a bit something a kid just wouldn't be able to possibly grasp? So I think a lot of the games that are meant for kids don't have that that barrier necessarily. They're like they're lacking that you, you know you need to be able to read uh, a lot of relatively intensive stuff, or you need to be able to grasp complex concepts. I think the games that are quote unquote for kids, or at least targeted at kids that adults can very easily play, don't have that. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing when it comes to what makes 
because that's a very good point in terms of making d dividing that line. But in terms of looking at the question of what makes a game aimed for kids that we still want to play as adults, I think kind of goes all the way back to our first episode of just looking at, well, is it a good game? Yeah. Like, who cares what the intended audience is? Does the gameplay hold up? Is the story interesting? Is it satisfying to play? Can you get those 30 seconds of fun in? And stuff like that. And, like, going back and looking at, you know, the games that we still play, like, I know I, you can definitely get the 30 seconds of fun in Star Fox 64. Yeah. Definitely. Those 30 seconds are, and he's 30 seconds from Area 6 Defense Station. Just <laughs> up, fly, if I could boot up the game and just push a button to jump straight to Area 6 Defense Station, I would. Modders, get on it. Yeah, modders, get on it. But, yeah. but the, the gameplay being built in such a way that it is a fun game to play. Whether or not it's appropriate for children, I feel, is irrelevant. Well, and I think maybe it was somebody from the Pixar studio. I'm not sure. I could be misremembering. But they said basically, how do, you know, when people ask them, how do you make movies that are so good? You know, back when they were making nothing but good movies. And they <laughs> said, we make movies we'd like to see. They're just movies that are appropriate for children. And, like, I think the games that work really well that are children's games are games that do not take making a kid's game as an easy out. It doesn't mean, hey, we can be lazier and offer less because they're kids and they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that say, hey, I want to provide a quality experience for a kid. Or even just a quality experience that a kid can access. Right. Yeah. For everyone as opposed to for an adults and my bros. Well, even yeah. for everyone, not just something I can pawn my kid off of. No, yeah. And definitely, I think that's a large part of it is accessibility, right? Like, so you make a good game, and then you make it highly accessible so that literally anyone can pick this up and play it. And when you do that, weirdly, suddenly it becomes a kid's game, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, or, or conversely, you don't. Or you make it only accessible to a niche group of people. That's your choice as a creator. The point is, the game, the, the game has to come first, right? Before, yeah. before who it's for, before yeah. before you determine who it's for, there's the game. I remember uh, the the late Maury Sendak once said about his books that some someone asked him in an interview or something like, "Why do you only write kids books?" He said, "I don't write kids books. I write my books, and then publishers tell me this is for children, That's and true. publish this for children." He did say that. Yeah, which yeah. if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen any old interviews from him, imagining him saying that's priceless. I took a, and this is a very liberal arts thing to say, so <laughs> brace for impact, everyone. But I took a class on him. In college, yeah. play Maurice Sendak, which was fascinating. That is something he said. And yeah. actually, I would have loved to see Maurice Sendak's mind tackle a game. Where the wild things are, point and click, go. You, seriously, though. Oh, yeah, that could, I was being 100% serious. But he, he did the same thing with books, as you were kind of talking about doing with games, where he would kind of come up with the story and the book and the metaphor, uh, you know, whatever it was about, whatever themes it explored. He would kind of create that. And then, and and then it would it would it would manifest itself in something that may or may not have been more friendly to kids. And in terms of his style, it it almost always was. Well, and I appreciate Maury Sindak. It brings up a good point because Maury Sindak did not necessarily shy away from topics that might be seen as adult. And he most certainly did not. And I think that's one thing that really can be brought out more in kids' games that, like, we shouldn't shy away from that. I mean, this is once again a film example, but Inside Out deals with things like depression. Or Neil Gaiman wrote Coraline when he went to a children's bookstore and said, where are your children's horror books? Because he needed one for his daughter. And the bookseller looked at him like he was crazy because who writes horror for children? 
Like, we assume that kids are not ready to deal with these things in any form Mm -hmm. instead of worrying about making them in a way where children can understand them and learn to process them. And I think seeing that tackled in an intelligent way in any medium, but especially games, is a way to create a children's game, uh, in quotes, that people at any age level can respect. Okay, I got two things. I'm going to go with one first, and hopefully we can get to the other one later. I wanted to go back to Maurice Sendak a little bit and just talk about a story that I've heard regarding him and how that could link into a kid's mentality and how that can affect kids' games. Specifically, he got a letter from a kid saying, I love your stuff, I think it's great, blah, 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 all that stuff, and he was very moved by the letter, and so he drew a drawing of one of the wild things and sent it back to the kid, basically just saying, thank you for your letter. And the kid's mother wrote a letter back to Maurice, Ari the response, about how the child was so enthralled with his letter and with the artwork that he had sent him that he ate it. (laughs) (laughs) He he didn't care that it was an original Maurice Sendak drawing (laughs) or, or that it would be worth probably hundreds of thousands of dollars later in life or anything of the sort. To him, the ultimate expression of love for this beautiful piece of art that he had gotten was to eat it. He ate it. Was that kid you, Jeff? That kid was not me. This was a story that I saw on the internet. And I think whenever you're making a kid's game or doing anything with a kid in mind, you have to keep in mind they might not view things quite the way that an adult would. And I'm specifically thinking about this with Pokemon, how even as an adult... You can see the appeal of having a monster in your pocket in a tiny little ball that you throw, and it pops out and it's this huge, awesome thing. But there's an appeal to us as adults to have that, because then I can incinerate all the people who I don't like with a Charizard. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But then there's the appeal to a child of just a pure mysticism and magic to it that is something, I hate to say it, I can't even really capture that anymore. You do kind of lose it a bit. You do. The older you get, it sucks. I've noticed that myself too, yeah. actually. By you do the way, lose children, it a bit. do not eat your cartridges of Pokemon. <laughs> no. Don't, don't eat plastic, kids. Volcano Big Meat does not condone the consumption of plastics, <laughs> papers, any other recyclable material. Which children are listening to our show? <laughs> hey, hey, we're accessible to all, and therefore we are good for all, although the fucks can I was going to say, we say fuck a lot. <laughs> do you know your our parents... podcast is marked as explicit. <laughs> Do your parents know you're using the computer right now? Yeah. Yeah. Go go talk to your parents before you log on to volcanobeatmeat.wordpress.com. Um, I wanted to go back to what Paige said about uh, looking at, like, Pixar and the idea of uh, media being able to help kids explore these things. Actually, I think Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley is a pretty simple game, right? You plant crops and you grow them and you grow you know animals okay. and stuff you know my crop my cow harvest is coming along brilliantly you grow, grow, you grow look I was, I was just playing odin sphere okay you grow animals <laughs> um, right. you technically you know, do they grow yeah it's, it's you know they it's the simulator experience and you get to go around and make friends with the townspeople but it has been pointed out much more so than its predecessor in the form of harvest moon it deals with some dark stuff. Yeah, it does. It deals with things like alcoholism. It deals with things like Sam and... What's his little brother's name? 
Um, oh, I'm gonna. I hate, what, I, hate, I hate myself. Vincent. Vincent. Yeah, Sam Vincent. and Vincent. You know, their dad is away at war, and they're not sure if he's gonna well, come back and all that. He's in a prisoner of war. Right. He's a POW. Camp. Yeah, he's a POW. Right. So like, it deals with really heavy stuff, but. I'm hesitant to say that it explores them in a way that would be, like, kid-friendly, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I would say is definitely no, not I, for kids. I would definitely say that it's actually fairly kid-friendly, at least. Here's what perspective I'm coming at this from. I am currently rereading the Harry Potter series, mm-hmm. which... Is, also goes dark places. Goes definitely incredibly does. dark places. I mean, like, you know, the first couple books... There are definitely themes laid out, but it's it's more along the lines of what most people would consider quote-unquote kid-friendly. But I'm in the middle of book five, and it's getting dark. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, like, people, I mean, at this point, Cedric Diggory is super dead, and, like... Super dead. Super dead, and then a bunch of people are, like, getting murdered, and there's, like... Spoilers. Umbridge. 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 Towering over the school, just like completely censoring, and like censorship is brought up in this book, right? And what yeah. that means, on top of, you know, Harry's fifteen years old and going through hormonal changes, right? Like, yeah, I think Harry Potter is an interesting example because it is a series that aged up with its reader it base. Aged up yeah. with its readers, but at the same time, I have seen like, you know, ten, twelve year olds reading this series, right? Like, Fair, especially now that they have all the books at because their all, the, all the books yeah. are out now, and so like you can see these kids just reading this stuff and. And they get it, right? They might not get it on the same level that we get it, because as adult, uh, as an adult, I'm now pulling more from it than I ever did growing up. But even so. And when it comes to, like, Stardew Valley, that stuff is there. If a kid doesn't get it, they're not going to zone in on it, right? True. Like, they're going to be like, Pam's weird. <laughs> True. And she's thirsty also, a lot. Yeah, it does, it does specifically reference the fact that she's drinking alcohol a lot, so the kid might key in on, like, she gets angry when she drinks. But they might necessarily get the, the implications of yeah, that. Yeah, they don't yeah, get quite exactly. how dark that is. Um, they may also pick up on the fact that, like, Mayor Lewis seems to spend a lot of time right? like, with Marnie. Yeah. With Marnie. I wonder why Mary Lewis's purple pants were at Marnie's in her bedroom. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, you're not... The thing that people often don't realize is that, yes, you can give kids a lot of credit, but the other thing is, if a kid doesn't want to zone in on it, they won't. Unless you make it a point that this is something they might want to zone in on. If you say, don't play this because of the sexual content, guess what they're going to look for when they end up playing that game? <laughs> the sexual content. <laughs> yep, speaking from experience, that usually as soon as you hear you shouldn't go there or, like, this exists, it's like, I'm going to go straight there. Um, but actually, that I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, and kind of. It, but it was kind of based on what Paige was saying earlier, where I think you can absolutely include uh, themes like that, mature themes like that, dark themes like that, like Stardew Valley does, because Stardew Valley presents it in such a way where the kids, as the player, can kind of explore it in a uh, safe and intelligent and relatively objective way. When you give them the ability to explore it is when I think you get kids that can experience games that people wouldn't normally consider, you know, within their pay grade. Because it's exactly like you said, they're gonna they're not going to zone in on it if they don't really care about it, or if they don't really see it as important. Where I think the problem exists, actually, on, on the converse of that, where maybe there are downsides to more adult stuff entering a kid's space mentally or conceptually, is when you don't present it in a way that you let them explore it, you just kind of hit them with it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are definitely, I mean, for instance, The Stanley Parable, a game that, as an adult, it's supposed to be hitting you over the head with some dark themes that you need to consider. Like, what does it mean to be a player? What does it mean to be Stanley? What does it mean to be you? What does it mean to experience this game? And then, like, how fucked up are you to go through this shit? I'd like to go back to you talking about Stardew Valley and how it deals with some more adult themes, but doesn't include anything that's directly not okay for kids. I'd like to take the inverse of that and take a game that has some stuff that isn't okay for kids, but deals with things in a way that is actually very kid-friendly if you think about it. Think about Brutal Legend. (laughs) Now, on the one hand, I absolutely understand it's not okay to have an axe decapitate someone right in front of a kid in the first five minutes of a game and have a guitar that electrocutes people and causes them to explode into a bloody pulp. And I could talk for hours about all of the awesome stuff that happens in this game. But if you look at the actual themes of the game, about what friendship is, uh, what it means to betray your friends, what it means to not follow them, not believe in them, not trust them, especially when evidence is pointing their way, but you don't even give them the benefit of the doubt, to talk about what the world can be when you do something with it, it, just all the things going on with that game... There are some really kid-friendly things, and it's actually, in the storyline, dealt with in a very kid-friendly way. The only part of that game that's really immature is the gore. Which you can turn off. Which you can turn off, and the swearing, which you can turn off. You can censor. Exactly. I think the bleeps are funnier. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that's interesting that that made me think of is one thing that people who don't play a lot of video games automatically associate video games with is violence. I mean... That's really true. Ain't ain't that the truth. (laughs) And really one of the easy ways if you want to create a game without thinking about it too much is just make it violent. I mean, if you... You are a dude with sword. Kill everybody else. Done. Yep. But when you're making a kid's game, you do not have that same level of violence accessible to you. Mario bops people on the head like Legos they deconstruct into smaller bricks and... You kind of get the circle of life out of that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you do. More so in Lego than in Mario. And yeah. I think that that's really great when somebody, once again, doesn't just take it as an excuse to do something stupid because you're making a kid's game. It gives you a realm to play in where the easy go-to answers are not available. And so you have to think harder to make something good. And I think that one thing that's really great for is For one thing, it creates more inventive games sometimes. It absolutely does. Um, And the other thing is, I know some adults who aren't as comfortable with violence or gore in their lives. I mean, they just don't like it. Yeah. And so video games as a whole, they think of it as a world that's cut off to them. Mm Mm-hmm. And when people make even, you know, games that are kids' games that have less violence and gore but still put thought and effort into what they make, they can make a game that people who, you know, might not go towards the traditional video game can really enjoy. Yeah. I have a relative who, out of respect for his great need for privacy, he definitely likes his privacy. I will not mention who it is. I will just say he was a Dungeons & Dragons guy back in the day when Dungeons & Dragons was just starting out. He played it... Old school. Yeah, he played it old school. As time has gone on and video games has become a thing, he's loved fantasy games, he loves The Witcher, and he loves Elder Scrolls. Specifically, he loved Oblivion. 
He played Morrowind, but it was one of his first video games, so he couldn't quite do it. Blah, 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 blah. I tried to sell him on Fallout, because Fallout is basically just Oblivion with guns. It's, it's Bethesda, same it, it's, relative mechanics. Yeah, yeah, it's a Bethesda game. It's more or less a copy-paste with a different skin of paint. And of course, there are other differences, but we're not going to go into that. He couldn't do it. He absolutely could not do it, because he didn't like guns. He just didn't like them. So he spent the first half hour or so running around with a police baton. <laughs> and when he realized that he couldn't get through the game with just a police baton, he said, you know what? I'm all right. I'm done. I'm good. And at the time, I was a little too young to understand why he couldn't do it. But I get it now. And I'm, I'm happy that he has Oblivion and The Witcher. But those games are just never going to be accessible to him. Mm-hmm. And example. It's, accessibility is not really just as simple as... As violent or non-violent or level like, of reading to yeah, go or, or level of reading to not much level of or reading or level of difficulty in yeah. Ter- yeah in terms of what determines whether or not this is for a kid or for an adult mm-hmm. it, it really just depends on at that level depends on the individual person but there are certain things I think need to be at least base level for a, a kid to have easy access into it yeah so how about some examples of maybe where because I think actually one there's one problem I think with uh kids games quote-unquote that may bring in some adult fans or adult more mature players and that is when you actually get the players interfacing with each other or inter- oh. interacting with each other oh yeah people are bastards i played a lot of halo 2 when i was <laughs> 12 13 people yeah, were not nice to me those <laughs> no 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 i was i was naive and, and, and innocent and and frail he was the victim <laughs> i uh-huh. was I was the runt. No, see, I, I talked and no, I was actually, nice, so I made myself a target. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I, I, actually, I know this is true because whenever I catch him playing, you know, Rocket League when he's playing with bots <laughs> and not with people, he's kind of a little shithead to the bots he plays with. He's like, God damn it, Merlin! Fucking Merlin! Merlin, Rocket League, I, I, pl- I started playing with bots and I got this guy on my team named Merlin who... I, yeah, I have feelings about Merlin. Yeah. He just, he just, it's, I know, I know. I'm just saying. Drives around a wizard hat. It's amazing to me that obviously, like, I can tell you were clearly the victim because you're putting out all your aggression on non-real people. Well, and that's why I appreciate the game Splatoon, which is a shooter game aimed at kids. Which, once again, you play with paint, you don't play with bullets. But it does not have voice chat. Because they just don't want to deal with that with children. Yeah, that's that's a good move. That's a really good but move. But, like, what? let's say you're a kid, and you've been playing Sonic, and you love Sonic, and so you go on the computer, and you type into Google image search, Sonic the Hedgehog. You're gonna get some stuff you might not want to see. No. If your parents were wise, they've turned on safe search, so you will just see Sonic stuff. But, uh... Yeah, you'll eventually go too far down a rabbit hole. You'll end up in DeviantArt. Well, yeah. Rule 34 is a fascinating thing. Let me yes, point out is. once again, I'm a Star Fox fan. I'm sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you, do you especially like Star Fox Adventures where they introduced Crystal? No. No, I wonder... <laughs> yeah. The internet does. Yeah, yeah, for some reason. Yeah, it does. <laughs> because of Crystal. Yeah. Oh, but. oh, yep, right there. It did not take long. I googled Sonic the Hedgehog and started scrolling down on the uh, yep, on go. the images. It is not that far away. To all you kids on your parents' computers, don't you know, we volcano bake meat once again does not condone <laughs> googling Go- Sonic the, the googling of ch- of children's <laughs> video games with safe search turned off. <laughs> Please Disclaimer. let your parents use the computer for you. Please ask yeah. your parents to Google Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> with the safe search off. 
Yeah. And then, or Sonic the Hedgehog with the Safe Search on thing slipped through. And then it's yeah. your problem, not ours. Don't yeah. be surprised if they refer you a therapist. Disclaimer yeah. has been made. <laughs> but there are certain well, there are certain games where communication is kind of essential. And and uh, well, I'm trying to think of any games where you can get that communication where there is that same level of accessibility where kids can jump in and grasp it, and it's not too much of a of a big leap for them. Not too many. A lot of the games that involve the player to player cooperation. Um, I think are targeted a bit more adults or have that, that bit of that accessibility barrier. Club Penguin! Yay! <laughs> oh, God. Club like, how many Penguin. times on, like, Reddit have I seen screen caps of why I got banned from Club Penguin? <laughs> and I babysat kids who legitimately played Club Penguin, so everyone else on Reddit is laughing at the person who went and you know, spewed racial epithets on uh, Club Penguin. And I was just thinking of the kids I babysat and went, oh. You know what's funny is I actually tried Club Penguin when I was still technically a kid, but a bit too old for Club Penguin. It wasn't bad. I kind of <laughs> liked it. It was kind of fun. You know, actually, another game that's like that, actually, it's just big on Reddit, too, is RuneScape. Yeah. Ah, RuneScape. I don't really remember at all how to play that game other than to jump in and say, I'm a girl, we'll be girlfriend. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So yeah, you, so you were rolling in gold then. Yeah. Oh no, I I just somebody told me that this is all you had to do, and so I did, and they were right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Runescape is. Runescape. I, I should try that. <laughs> you should. No, I mean like no, seriously, no. You, you make a girl avatar and say, "Girl IRL will be girl. It will be GF." Yep. For gold. Yep. You have to for say gold. for gold. Yeah. Because Runescape is. You, you do have to straight up, you know, prostitute. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> like... The, you were an, more of an escort than a prostitute. It's true. A little bit more of an escort, because they never... Uh, I never cybered. See, now I yeah. now I want to make a male avatar and walk around with a purple hat and say, Selling GF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's how Jeff got... Here's how I got paid. And now, now we're back game. to kid-friendly game exploring more mature themes. Exactly. <laughs> well, the thing with RootScape, too, is... Part of it was it was so highly populated by young kids who would do stuff like that because they were kind of, I think, kind of grappling with those feelings inside, <laughs> right? Um, Whoever would have guessed. But it's also played by a lot of adults. No, I still meet plenty of adults. And I think RuneScape is manageable I... for such large audiences of both young kids and uh, older players because chat is restricted to text. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and there's, I mean, you can still make that a pretty horrible experience, but it's easier to monitor text for, like, obscenities and abuse than it is actual voice. Well, but I think what I really wanted to get to here when I wrote this question in the notes is there, I mean, there are a lot of kids' games, but there aren't a lot of really high-quality kids' games. Like, kids' stuff in any medium, you kind of have to sort through all the cheap, gimmicky stuff. The pandery stuff. Yeah. There's to a get lot to of the, pandery stuff uh -huh, for kids. To get to the stuff that actually has some quality. And when adults play that, that's fine. But when adults play that and decide that it is their space now, mm, yeah. that's taking away a thing that... Kids can kind of get kicked out. Yeah, kids out can get pushed out of the space. I, I mean, I, look at bronies for My Little Pony. Like, even oh, if there God. are lots... There are lots of adult fans of My Little Pony who just watch it and think that the voice acting and the character work is great. But there are some people who have decided that this is their thing, it is their mm -hmm. identity, and express it in such a way that if a child came across it, it could be traumatizing to the child. Could be. It's traumatizing to me sometimes, yeah. right? I mean, and, like, that being said, most bronies I, I've met are actually yeah. totally fine, but 
There are a few that's like. There's those few that spoil it for us, the rest of us. Well, yeah. there's, there's a difference between being, you know, really into a particular pop culture thing versus feeling the need to invade other people's interest in it and mm -hmm. being elitist about it and push them away from it. Yeah. That's just kind of the whole well, everything entirely. But it, but it is a problem. And I think it's interesting that when what you're really into is a thing for kids, it asks you, and this is not always respected, to have a greater level of respect for the work because of the potential audience and to keep it keep it nice for the kids is a weird way of saying it, but like if I was a huge fan of Grand Theft Auto and I wanted to draw, not that I would, but if I wanted to draw some skeezy Grand Theft Auto fan art, that's kind of in line with Grand Theft Auto. You are not ruining Grand Theft Auto for anyone by drawing a girl in a bikini. Nope. Yeah. In fact, it's pretty or tame for Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, yeah. <laughs> My skeezy fan art level is a little... <laughs> technically, technically a little even, even without the bikini is technically too much for Grand Theft but, Auto. Yeah. Otherwise, I probably couldn't get an M rating. But the thing but. is that when you decide you need to take, you know, Twilight Sparkle or... Give me a kid's like Princess Peach, Rainbow Dash, Let's or say, something. Well, Twilight Sparkle is a My yeah. Little Pony. I yeah. I babysat. I know my My Little Ponies. Okay, but, <laughs> I will. Uh, I, I will not she was sort of looking for Misty. a different source. Misty, Misty. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean, like, if you're gonna have a super booby picture of Misty or Princess Peach, that is taking something for kids and deciding this needs to be mine now, and that's not cool. Yeah, no, so actually going back to Pokemon and the fact that we all love Pokemon, for instance, uh, on a different end of things, not so much on the skeevy end, so much as just like, I'm going to admit it, and I think we can all admit this a little bit, we occasionally get elitist about the, oh well I was in it, I was really big <laughs> in this when it was the original 150, I don't yeah. know about the 700 and uh, whatnot. Yep. Guilty. <laughs> okay, okay. We're, we're, so. all, we're all guilty, and most... Most people in our age group that are still really into Pokemon can be that way, and then others that are coming back to it are that way, mm -hmm. right? And I have been there, like, in the undisclosed, like, game retailer that I work for, <laughs> when there are children really excited about a Pokemon game. Oh, and I got to about it. And then there's some asshole who, like, you know, to be fair, at this, uh, at this particular game retailer, it's not totally out of the normal to see this kind of person. You know, the the slightly slimy, unkempt hair, you know, like... Neckbeard. Yeah. The neckbeard, yeah. The, the neckbeard who's like 16, right? You know, mm -hmm. the like, I know everything. Talking about how it, it, like, oh, you don't want that game because that one's bad. Like Pokemon Black or something, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like... all comic book nerdy about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't want that one. That one's really bad. No one plays that one. It's terrible. And it's like, well, it's like... You know, and this kid will be like, well, it's my favorite one. <laughs> you can't take that from them. Pokemon is for children. It's okay for you to be into it. It is totally okay for adults to be into it. It's okay for us to have our love of, of the original 150. What I find less okay is the... This is our space and you're wrong for... Liking what is your space. Your opinion is clearly illogical. I'll explain why in detail. I had a, a, I have a slightly different experience being a teacher. I've got a lot of my students are kind of in that age range of knowing everything. And I had one of my students ask me randomly just at the end of class at one point. He said, he said, what's your favorite Pokemon? And I had to stop and think about it for a second. And I said, probably Charizard. I mean, you know, it was my first starter. I've always just really liked it. 
You know, he's oh, a big you, dragon. You were a Charmander guy. Yeah, huh? I was right. Oh, oh hell yeah. Oh, God. Squirtle, <laughs> come on. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm anyway. leaving again. I'm leaving again. <laughs> so I said, like, you know, I really like Charizard. He's probably my favorite if I had to pick one. I mean, I also like, and I'll listen to a couple others, but my favorite's probably Charizard. And he came back with, oh, Charizard's garbage because <laughs> nobody uses fire types because they're only strong against this and this, and they have all these weaknesses. And, like, he was coming at me from, like, the competitive angle. He opened, he opened up a whole new can of something you weren't even expecting. Yeah, like, about how my favorite Pokemon... <laughs> and thus this student suddenly did not pass your class. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, man, I just liked him because he's red, and I like red. Well, precisely, like, he's my favorite, like, well, Charizard is my favorite Pokemon because of that memory of being a child and playing the original Pokemon Blue and finally beating the gym leader I was stuck on and upon beating that gym leader my Charmeleon then also evolved into a Charizard and I was so excited that I jumped up and down so much that I tripped and sprained my ankle and my mom had to take me to the hospital. Like, there's a true story. True story. That actually happened. So... Like, it's deep childhood memories that make Charizard my favorite. So I don't care if Charizard is a, like, optimal choice competitively. In terms of, like, numbers and math. And In terms of numbers whatever. and math, sure, yeah. I could totally believe Fire Flying isn't an optimal type spread. But who cares? But who cares, right? He didn't ask about the best Pokemon. He asked about your favorite Pokemon. My favorite, Pokemon. exactly. But I think that kind of also explains a bit of a weird... Yeah, yeah, the disparity. That, that's, that's, I think, a challenge that I don't know if we're really ever going to figure it out, at least in terms of game development. In terms of how do you make a game that is accessible to both kids and adults, but then have it be in such a way that adults and kids can kind of experience it the same way. Because even Minecraft, I know I mentioned that at the very beginning of the show, is a game that is, at least nowadays, more traditionally targeted towards kids, but that very many adults still play, and in fact that I still play a lot. Um, I don't really play on a lot of other servers. Typically, when I do, it's uh, I just the way I prefer to play it. It's I'll I'll try to host my own server and invite my own friends to it. But I've I've you know heard stories, read threads, seen videos of uh, exchanges between full-grown adults and children on Minecraft servers that are less than pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've actually, you know, again, a lot of children randomly talking in my store, and a lot of adults also randomly talking in my store about games that they both happen to enjoy and it's always funny to me there are some adults who like to be griefers and some children who like to be griefers and oh, yeah. of course both sets of, of, of um, adults and children who can't stand griefers and assume that it's the other party I've seen many scenarios where I mean it's it's almost kind of like flipping a coin. I, I, I'm not going to speak on this expertly, you know. I'm not, I have not done tons of research, but sometimes it's it's the, the kid is causing the problem. Sometimes the adult is causing the problem. Yeah, no. It's not always adults picking on kids. Sometimes it's kids picking on adults. Exactly. <laughs> like laser tag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I Last time I went to laser tag, I just thoroughly did not enjoy it because I had one kid behind me the whole time. Just pew, pew, pew. And I had to, I had to hold myself back. I had to hold these hands back. Because <laughs> he was about to taste these hands. Nope. One interesting thing, you mentioned trying to kind of solve the divide yeah. of accessibility. Not sure if it's possible. What are you going to say? One game that is not quite what you're talking about, but I think kind of managed that, was Beautiful Joe. Beautiful Joe? Okay. Beautiful okay. Joe. At the, when you start a new file, you choose whether you want to play kids mode or adults mode. 
So how many kids are going to pick adults mode? Most. Well, here's the thing, right? They don't explain to you what it means. So yeah, a lot of kids are going to pick adults mode. But the thing is, it's not like a content thing because Beautiful Joe's relatively kid-friendly content. Yeah. You know, it is. But the difference is adults mode, Joe starts with three hearts. And Beautiful Joe is, it's not a hard, hard game. But when you've only got three HP, it's a pretty difficult game. How many HP do you normally have? How many hearts do you normally get? On kids mode, when you start, I don't remember exactly how many you start with. But it's a lot more. It's like ten. It's okay. a significant amount more. And really, frankly, the difference is I pick, I pick kids mode every time. Because adults mode is really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Because eventually you get into bosses that take off four or five hearts with a hit. So you need to be buying those health power-ups, those max HP upgrades, yeah. to keep up with that. Just so that the bosses don't one-shot you. And so that kind of makes that divide of accessibility of like, well, okay, we know that dying in three hits when it's actually pretty easy to accidentally take a hit in this game might not be the most accessible choice. So we have this and we label it as kids mode, which I don't think is entirely appropriate, but it is able to walk that line. So it makes the difference between it being a fun average platformer brawler to this really punishing game that the studio Clover went on to form Platinum Games. They're known for being really brutal. So in that thing that's possibly closer to their original vision, it was able to play both sides of the coin. Hmm. Do we think that it's honestly, like, like from a game developer's perspective, let, let, let's just stick with the people making the game, producing the game. Uh, with all the knowledge we have from that end. With all the knowledge <laughs> we have from that end, but well, no, from just from just like a your guys' opinion. What do we do? We think it's it's honestly hard, like difficult, for game makers to really market a game either to kids or or to to adults within that when when they're when that binary does exist where this game could be for kids or for adults or do we think it's really just like is that honestly difficult to do well or is it just that there's the kind of stereo the, the stereotypes are just so strong that kids clearly prefer more health not as hard adults clearly prefer less health more uh, more difficulty I want to go back. I played Baldur's Gate, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely not that simple. Well, but it's... I think, I think it has to do with. I mean, I don't know if it's that you set out to write one or the other, but I think once you've decided, hey, we sell better to kids. Like if it's a Nintendo game, that's going to be an easy choice. Like yeah. we're going to go for the kids game every time. While if it's an Xbox game and they notice that games sell better to adults and kids if they market it as an adult game. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many kids want to play the grown-up game? Like. They're going to go for if they've convinced their parents to get them an Xbox. Yeah, yeah and I think that's you true. probably go into that with that thought in mind, and you kind of design it off of that. Um, there are some exceptions like Overwatch, which is better for a more adult play, like not for adult content, but for adult speed of play and fingers. It's more really yeah, the actual gameplay itself requires a bit more mature thinking. But I think that it's an exception rather than the rule because the way Overwatch looks is actually a little more kid friendly in that it has a lot of bright colors and cool differentiated characters. It looks a lot. It looks a lot like sort of the newer Pixar. It's or, obviously or, Pixar inspired. Or, yeah. Dis or Disney three D style mm -hmm. movies. It's much more accessible in that regard to kids. Well, I think, I think... a lot of games when they know which market they're selling to, they just kind of go off of that. If it has more sharp edges and slightly duller colors, it is probably for adults. If it has, you know, and if you're trying to sell to kids, then you're going to put in more round shapes and bright colors. Exactly. I think that's going to kind of create obstacles for, I think that's going to be sort of like a problem for a lot of, uh, for a lot of game developers and a lot of gamers themselves in really kind of 
dealing with that separation between adults and kids. Because there are lots of games that look like they're safe for kids, but they're not. Just like um, Conquer's Bad Fur Day, for example. <laughs> oh, God. In terms of the, like, the marketing angle of how do you target the game towards kids or adults if it's meant to be for everybody, I want to point out, if anybody remembers the ad campaign for Super Mario Sunshine, I do not. Vaguely. Very, very vaguely. The the, ad, the ads, at least there's one in particular I remember, there's an ad for Super Mario Sunshine. That, and then that's the one where Delfino Plaza is all polluted and Mario's got to use his little flood device to clean it all up. Fantastic. It was amazing. Fantastic. It was great. Yeah, it, fantastic game, by the way. It's regarded, like, ambiguously by the Mario fan base because it was so different, but fuck you guys, it was it's, a good game. It's, it's, under, exactly. it's underrated, man. It was a good game. It's but underrated. anyway, the ads, like, it had... A jaunty little song about cleaning things up and working together and stuff, but it was live action of these people running through a park, and I forget if they were like, uh, like picking up trash or whatever. But then there was the big guy, like the Disneyland style mascot Mario suits. Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> and so it was like it was had the the fun little theme song, and hey, look, it's Mario and stuff, so it was obviously appealing to kids, but the absurdity of it all was obviously meant to be hilarious to adults Hmm. in a really interesting way. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I might be remembering it wrong, but I always was charmed by that because it did tell you exactly what the game was in a way that is going to get kids' attention, but you can still look at it as an adult and be like, oh, I can see the gameplay experience this is, this looks like fun, I would like to play this game. Adults might find it... Well, kids might find it interesting, adults might find it ridiculous and silly, but more interesting in that way. Yes. Well, so going back to, like, your point about how you exactly figure out what you're going to market to and how you build a game, either for kids or for adults, um, one game, and I know I brought this up again a million times, hopefully this game is actually good when it comes out, I suspect (laughs) it will be, Song of the Deep. Um, basically, if, uh, yeah, you still have not heard of it, Song of the Deep is a Metroidvania-style, like, underwater exploration game, um, made by Insomniac, but the big thing, um, with it is that, like, it's just this really interesting story that the creative director of Insomniac made based off of a story that his daughter had written and his daughter's like wait seriously seriously that's oh, wow. super cool and, and his daughter's <laughs> like 12 wow okay. yeah like she's it, like um you know it, there are videos of interviews with this creative director and his daughter who and for the life of me I, I, brian Hastings. no might be brian hastings um but he's the creative director and his daughter is is the one who initially came up with this story and like and she has, like, this storybook all, like, hand-drawn and colored of, like, this is the story of Marin. Well, it's not Marin exactly. She even but... had all the concepts. Yeah. <laughs> all the concept art done. And, like, there were points in the story where, like, she insisted to her dad, if you're gonna do this story, you need to have mermaids. And he's like, well, we're doing this sort of Irish myth setting, so we're gonna have what are called Marins instead, because those are classic Irish mermaid-like people. I just checked. It is Brian Hastings. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, so he's taking, like, all this stuff that she gave him and turning it into something that has this very well-thought-out, like, kind of adult approach to it. And just 
kind of where I, I fall on this idea is that like there you can just make a game make the game that you want to make and just be aware that it can be something that children can play right in some cases it can actually come from a child and it can come from children children are fantastic storytellers I mean like because uh, you know like if you ask a kid to tell you a story yeah it may be a little stumbly of like and then um but you know like it, once you kind of suss out what it is they're trying to say kids are deep man I mean like they may not fully understand what's going on but they're trying to understand it and they do it the brains are in active. very creative ways, yeah. Well, I think something that's cool that Nintendo has done, or at least does when it's not shooting itself in its own foot, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, is they've just created a record of quality. Yeah. Where when they sell a Mario game, you know it's for kids because it is a Mario game, unless they, like, have a trailer with, you know, Mario double toting machine guns or something where they're I making like the some idea weird dark Mario yeah. in like camo with like the little black they, eyeliner they Mario they, Gear Solid Nintendo <laughs> hasn't Shadow the Hedgehog the Mario franchise yeah but the thing is then we... what's Waluigi <laughs> he's just there he shows up for sports that's it yeah alright uh, but we know what they do we know that they create kids games but we also know that we have loved these kids games I mean when they or even something like Castlevania, like, we know kids, we played it as kids, so kids can probably play it, but we also know they're, well, it's Depends on the Castlevania game. It's true. (laughs) Lord of the Shadow. Yeah. But I know I played, you know, my share of Castlevania and that kind of thing as a kid. And so, not only do I know that some of them are kid-friendly, but I also know that they put out really good stuff, and that's something I enjoy. Um, It went really badly, but Mighty Number no. 9 just came out. Yeah. And that was an unmitigated trash can fire of a game from everything I'm seeing about it. But Mega Man is very much an obviously kids-friendly franchise. It's got a big bulbous guy with big bright blue colors. He, you know, like... Well, you said soft shapes, happy-looking, like, bright characters. He's a kid. You're a kid. Cartoonish. Yeah. But people have known those games for years and know that they're good stuff. So when they had even the promise of something new... As adults, they weren't going to say, oh, that's a kid's game. You should market that more to children. They were like, where do I throw my money? (laughs) They all said, shut up and take my money. (laughs) Actually, another game that that did that is Ukulele. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ukulele. Yeah. Ukulele. Banjo Kazooie was big for kids uh, way back in the time of Nintendo sixty four. But it, and uh, I, I'd wager even adults then w- would play and enjoy it. I wouldn't know. I was a child myself, but I, I enjoyed it then. And even as an adult, I'd go back and play it and still enjoy it. I never played Banjo Kazooie. As I mean, like I I occasionally would pick up like a level or two, but it's never been one that I finished. I started it with the Rare Replay collection and. It's fantastic. It's great, right? It's really good. It's one of those. It's one of those cases where like people might just assume it's for kids because it has the E for everyone rating and happy cartoony characters. That's always the funny thing to me is that like E for everyone suddenly stands for children. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right. It's, the most inclusive rating is the, almost all is one of the just stereotypically least inclusive I from know. Like, the adult or a lot of people's perspective. The only one that I would say would be like EC is the one that you actually want to avoid <laughs> well, as an adult because okay. that stands for early childhood. But if it's just straight up E, dude, jump on that. See what it's like. You're in everyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think part of it, I mean, it's been there always, but I think it's even more reinforced by E10 and up 
where now it's not only an e-game, so it's a kid's game, it's a game that has content that is too babyish for a ten-year-old. Yeah, no, I mean... And it I makes mean, you take a step back. Well, going back to I the, mean, not that that's correct, but... Going back to the whole violence in video games thing, I know we ended up talking about how, like, Legos aren't violent. Well, if you notice, most Lego games actually get tended up because of cartoon violence. Mm -hmm. um, because you are still punching one another and turning into little Lego-y bricks. Slash lasering, death. slash lightsabering, slash yeah, yeah, dinosauring. Yeah, whatever. But it is still technically violent. And yeah. so it's... And, and same with Rayman. Same with a lot of games that we, you know, hold up high as being, like, really good kids' games. They do still have some level of violence to them a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'd be curious. I, I can't for the life of me think of a, a true e-game that everyone really does like. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Connor, are you going to mention Pokemon Snap? <laughs> You'll be shooting into an act game with a camera. No, I'm done with Pokemon Snap. For today. <laughs> For now. It will return. Uh, I'd actually like to go back a little bit. We were talking about marketing, specifically about how you can market a game towards kids or towards adults. And I just think of a game that we've mentioned already in this podcast that I really just wanted to do a special shout-out for doing a really good job of marketing itself to adults without excluding kids, and that is Overwatch. I think they have done a brilliant job of all of their marketing is very inclusive. It is, it's clearly geared towards adults. It's, you know, flashy guns and action and fun stuff like that. Competitive scene. Competitive scene, exactly. But it's never gory, it's never graphic, it's never any kind of questionable content. Right. It's always very friendly and fun. And I just wanted to give praise to Blizzard for doing a great job. And they actually did do very well with that. It's, yeah. Overwatch has been one of the most widely accepted games as of late. It's been one of the most widely the accepted games in years, honestly. Yeah. It's actually interesting because Blizzard doesn't usually do kid-friendly. Well, they're, they haven't strayed outside of their established franchises in a very long time. Still, but really, they have three franchises. Warcraft, which is probably the most kid-friendly of them, but probably, probably. I wouldn't necessarily call straight-up kid-friendly. It's definitely not. Starcraft, definitely not kid-friendly. Definitely kid not kid-friendly. Diablo, definitely not <laughs> kid-friendly. Yeah, no, Diablo is just about as not kid-friendly as it gets without yeah. going into, like, postal territory. You literally so. fight demons in hell. It's, yeah, it's doom levels of kid-unfriendly, <laughs> so... Well, I think, actually, there's something that we can uh, get out of this whole discussion, and I think that's there's kid-friendly... And there's kid accessible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they are two very different things. Yeah, it doesn't. A game does not necessarily have to be kid friendly to be accessible to kids, in in, in a completely acceptable and and engaging way. Mm -hmm. well, and I think that's pretty great. That is pretty great, actually. Something I noticed that might kind of be obvious and also might be a little bit off topic, but I noticed we talked. I think Connor, you mentioned just that when kids are that age. They're learning really quickly, and they're processing really quickly, and they're taking in all that information because they're maturing and because they're growing. And so I think making games accessible to kids is also hugely important to helping kids develop how they're going to think about games moving forward. That's a good point. Because I... if you think about the games that we talked about, or the games that are from our childhood, like you played Age of Empires, strategy-type games, now you love Dota. Yeah, heavy, okay. heavy strategy-like games. Yeah, you played a lot of like Paige. You played a lot of Fire Emblem. 
You, I mean, we were just playing Chroma Squad before we came over here. You love tile-based strategy games. My brothers got me hooked on Final Fantasy, and I played a lot of Pokemon. I love RPGs. Like, the games that we play that are kid-accessible when we're kids form part of our identity as gamers, so it's important to have different types of games accessible to kids if you then want the adults to pick up those games growing up. I was just going to say, and in general, not just how kids think about games, how kids learn to think in general. Oh, absolutely. Like, I didn't want to be that blanket, but that's totally true. It, it's completely true. I mean, like, there are huge studies that are being done now on neuroplasticity among adults and how playing games can help adults develop different skills. It starts somewhere, right? <laughs> like, and if you're starting with what kids want to put, like, you know, as kids, what they play and what they grow attached to, you kind of want them to have access to a wide myriad of things so that they can further go out and try a wider myriad of things, right? Yeah. As adults. Let's move on to the lightning round, which is not usually very lightning but that's okay. So The for th molasses round. The molasses round. So for this particular episode, uh, I think the lightning round question that we're going to grapple with and come up with ideas for is, guys, let's take a not very kid-friendly game, but let's make a kid's version of it and see what that would look like. Anyone want to start? I'll start. You'll start. Go ahead. I'll start with Dishonored. <laughs> <laughs> Very not kid-friendly. Very not kid-friendly. Extremely not kid-friendly. Rats eat people, and you get to watch it. Uh, seriously, hard to think of a game that really, truly outclasses it. I mean, it's in the same level as, like, Grand Theft Auto and Doom in a lot of ways. It's funny what adults will laugh at. Tee hee, he's getting eaten by rats. Exactly. But my point is, I would love to see, because I really do enjoy stealth games, and I know at some point we're going to play Metal Gear Solid, I'm sorry. Uh, I really do enjoy stealth games. I find them fun and entertaining, sneaking around in the shadows, and I would be really interested in seeing a stealth-oriented kids game. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure it would work as a concept because it requires patience, which is something that kids are not exactly known for. But all the same, I think it could be really interesting to see a game where the goal is to, I don't know, sneak through the house to get to the cookie jar or something. It could be cool. Well, and I think we don't give kids enough credit for having patience. When you get a kid really into something, they will be patient. There was one time I was at my grandma's house and she had a bird feeder. I left my finger on the bird feeder long enough for the hummingbirds to realize I was okay and the hummingbirds landed on my finger because I was that determined to have it happen. I think a kid's stealth game could work. You'd have to build in the reward mechanic. But it yeah. could... It could it, I like that idea, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jessica, I did a good one. You did. <laughs> Jessica, did you have an idea? I have two. Okay. okay. Great. Um, one's funny, the other one more serious. Uh, the first one, South Park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stick of truth or fractured butthole. <laughs> Uh, I have had parents not fully realize what they were buying for their children until I mentioned it. <laughs> not so much with fractured butthole. Even today, <laughs> as soon as parents you say that out loud, you realize what it. But yeah, even today, parents are still buying their kids South Park stuff without realizing how how bad, especially Stick of Truth, where you perform abortions. Oh my god! Anyway, it was hilarious. It was so fun. So finding a way to do a kid-friendly version of that probably would just boil down to the... Wouldn't that just be Paper Mario? Yeah, honestly, it would pretty much just be Paper Mario, but with... Yeah, no, it wouldn't be as good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but then the more serious one is I actually get asked about this all the time. 
can you recommend me a game that is GTA without all the sex and the violence? And here's why I would love to see someone actually do something like this. It's because there are a lot of really solid mechanics in GTA that kids want, like being able to drive around and get out of the car and explore the world on foot. Ramp off of buildings, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Like, they just want to, like, wander and check things out and see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, get into a helicopter, get yeah. into a jet, get into a blimp. Yeah. There was a Simpsons game, actually. Simpsons Road Rage? Well, Road, well, Rage, Road, was, Rage. Road Rage was Crazy Taxi. Yeah, yeah. Right. Simpsons Hit and Run, run was like that. So, yeah. like, it's that in the Simpsons license. But it would be interesting to see that agnostic of a particular license. Yeah. Exactly. And still, just be still a bit limited, though, Hit and Run was. It didn't have the, all of the freedom and exploration, necessarily, yeah. that GTA had. But it was... It, it was, was decidedly it, trying but, to be a more kid-friendly GTA. my family still quotes... Yes. Yeah. There you go. No, exactly. for sure. And it just, it really is something, literally, I get asked about every day at least once, can you recommend a GTA title, or it's something like GTA, that doesn't have the content? Could mm-hmm. we do a GTA-style kid-friendly Hanna-Barbera game? Oh. Ooh, drive around the mystery machine? Yes. Ooh. That'd be awesome. Yes. Be so drive great. around in the mystery machine. You do missions with Harvey Birdman. You do, uh, oh my god. No. <laughs> well, Harvey no. Birdman would not be kid friendly. Well, Harvey Birdman himself, but Birdman? Bird- Birdman was a Barbera. Birdman, yeah. Birdman himself was Barbera. Exactly. Harvey Birdman yeah. was the adult okay. interpretation yeah. of Yeah, no. But uh, do, do missions with Birdman. Go out in the bear and hang out with, uh, with oh my Yogi god, Yogi, Yogi, thank you. Uh, it, I think that could be cool. That Steal could be some picnic yeah. baskets. Yes. Yeah. Go to the, go meet the Flintstones and then yeah. the Jetsons. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, picnic baskets. There goes. There's your stealth game, Jeff. Oh my God. Yeah, you just <laughs> you just do <laughs> your stealth game. You steal the picnic okay. baskets. We uh we have to find a way to sell this and let's make... call up Cartoon Network. <laughs> Get Dan Aykroyd back in here. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh... I think that, really, I'm going to go back on what we said earlier. The problem with adults' games for kids is that they're too hard. Mm. And I think we need to help kids along to figure them out. You know, a hard adult game is Civilization. Oh, Jesus That's so, true. <laughs> what about if we had a fun mascot, maybe a clippy per se, <laughs> that popped up every round and told you what to do? Oh. So Sivrev, you 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 <laughs> yeah, want much. you want to add the paperclip from Microsoft Word into Civilization? That's what you want to do, isn't it? No, I want to add the I want to add the paperclip from Microsoft Word to Crusader Kings. Stop because I actually need that. Yes, but no, I'm looking at you, Paige. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to me. His name will be Rasputin. Um, the other thing that I think it is a crying shame. That this is a game on the market that tall enough children might be able to access. Grant has been playing Devil May Cry, and there are drugs, and there is sex, and there are demons, and Dante has a lot of fun hitting things. And I think all of these are shameful. I think if we took all those elements out and just didn't put anything back in, we'd have the best three second long game ever. <laughs> and then you didn't say anything about the profanity. Oh, so, oh it yeah. just, so it would just be just Dante be like, saying fuck for a be, couple minutes. It'd be like, be press start, fuck, new and game. And then that one hallway you walk into where it goes, fuck you, Dante. Fuck you, Dante. <laughs> Roll credits. Achievement unlocked. You beat the game. You beat the game on hard mode. Now for bloody palace mode. 
Anyway. Uh, so I also have two. Uh, one, possibly one of the best narrative games of its generation, probably second only to Bioshock, uh, Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> I want to see uh. Red Dead Redemption retold as kids with pop guns playing in their backyard. That'd be awesome. That would be amazing. <gasps> yes. I want to see that. So, oh my gosh. Straight up. I think the way you should do that is, I know I've mentioned this ga- game to you, but do you remember way back when Cartoon Network was airing, like, Ed, Ed, and Eddie on a regular basis, they had Cartoon Summer Hangout, where if you mm-hmm. went to their website, they had this little RPG game yeah. where you can, like, meet the Eds and cow and chicken yeah. and, like, solve problems. Yeah, love that game. Uh, I like the idea of, of this pop gun thing. Have it star, like, Ed, Ed, and Eddie and... and <laughs> So forth. Oh, my first idea like... was the picture of uh, I know it's a different network, but I have the picture of uh, from Rugrats. Uh, that too. With, with the <laughs> hat yeah, and the yeah, poncho. Tommy. Yeah, yes. Tommy with the hat and the poncho. <laughs> it was uh, uh, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna go home. Drink some have juice, me a juice box and have a nap nap. And go nap nap. <laughs> go nap nap. <laughs> that, is, that is verbatim what oh, he said. Yeah. My God. Yes. So I want to see Red Dead Redemption with kids with pop guns. I think what you're also saying is you want a code name kids next door game. Yes. That too. Yeah. So, Basically, all the great kids Actually, in charge doing adult things game. Would that be the Dishonored game? It could, yeah. Yeah. It could be a mini game, but I think building out a whole game dedicated to the stealth would be the Yogi Bear thing. That's yeah. True. The other one I want to see is Gears of War. Okay. But replace all of the enemies with cotton candy people. <laughs> so then it really is just killing, killing people, people and cotton, cotton candy. candy. See, well. instead of the Lancer. You just you just eat them. <laughs> you just walk up, raw, 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 eat your way half through half of them. Cookie Monster it. Simulator. You're so, around eating things. Suddenly, the just... biggest threat is diabetes. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You spent your lightning round trying to come up with a way to bring back just killing people and eating cotton. Actually, candy. no. Originally, I wrote before we even started recording. I wrote bubble gum. But then when they made the cotton candy joke, I crossed it out and wrote cotton candy. Say, Greg, I just like the idea of replacing the, the locust with candy. Yeah. Yeah. They did I, that one episode of Adventure Time where the zombies came and ate everyone. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Till Greg gets ten points for bringing my joke back to the, <laughs> to the end of the show. Um, my idea for a not-kid-friendly game uh, that we can maybe make a more kid-friendly version of it would be... Uh, so I... I rant about this game a lot too. Hit the buzzer, but it's a Hotline Miami. Oh, oh God! Which is really not a kids, a very kid friendly game, but still fun. To, but I'm not sure it's an adult friendly game. <laughs> it's not a. Friendly not sure who game. that game is for. It's a little violent, but I think you know, with some very minimal reskinning and maybe some some tweaking of the exact you know objectives in the game and stuff like that, you can make it into a very kid friendly game. Like maybe instead of. Uh, contract killer who just run just goes and murders rooms houses full of Russian mobsters. Maybe 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 you're a clown. Rush rushes in and kills Russian people. I promise this is not going to be as creepy. But like maybe no 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 you you get called to like parties and they're you know kids sitting around and they're you know watching you know eating cake or opening presents and you come in hey kids and the jo- the, the goal is to just pie as many kids in the face as you can really fast before they get to you and tackle you because they love you so much. Um, 
As someone um, who wants... You guys, you guys should see the look Jessica's giving me. <laughs> okay, when I was a child, and I went over to my grandma's house for Halloween, she was dressed up like a clown, I'm and sorry. I burst into tears. Nah, kids love clowns. Dumbo was a scarring film for me, and I have to say, I think you made Hotline Miami more terrifyingly <laughs> violating to me as a person than it already was. You need a, a recording of just a clown going, Hey, kids! And it plays every time you open a door. Every like you're bursting down the door and announcing it to the room. Inst- instead of like, bow, 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 like, the, like the bass line music that plays as you're murdering people, just plays <laughs> just the whole time you're... I admit, I thought of it, and I'm like, I, I'm like that isn't really kid-friendly. That's kind of disturbing. But I decided to just go with it anyway, because I like the idea of that being a game. See, that's what an indie game is. This would become ten times more popular than fucking Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, which I was about to say, how have we not talked about Five Nights at Freddy's at all? Yeah. The number of children who love Five Nights at Freddy's The whole premise of Five Nights at Freddy's is that you have to survive these animatronic creatures coming in thinking you're a defective animatron and pulling the skeleton out of you to stuff into your suit. But when you get further, there are, like, hints of, like, the past being filled with child murder. Yeah! And, yeah. like, all, like, these children in elementary school are, like, I love, like, my cousin put a post up on Facebook. I love Chica! But, like, my, my cousin put a post up on Facebook. She has, you know, like, elementary school-aged kids, and she was like, should I let my kids play Five Nights at Freddy's? I don't really know it, so give me your thoughts. And then there was just, like, no. No, 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 no. Doesn't matter if they ask, doesn't matter if they beg, let's just if if the games you play as a child have something to do with who you grow up to be, let's just all say no. Yeah. Well actually the other idea I had for, for my <laughs> oh, game, God. No, it's just it's just a different interpretation is kinda like what you said. So okay, maybe the maybe the clown angle is a little little doesn't really solve the problem. Just a little much. Doesn't really, you know, be completely kid friendly, okay. But Flip it then. You're playing as a kid who just gets called to other parties where there are clowns, and you crash it with a super soaker. And your goal is to just ruin as many clowns' day as possible. <laughs> okay. Again, again we, we, built, we built a Cartoon Network video game universe now. Yes, Remember the episode of Foster's where Mac is determined to ruin his own surprise birthday party? <laughs> yes. That, oh but Hotline Miami. <laughs> oh my god. And, there, and actually, that was he. Didn't he embark on a lot of stealth endeavors? He did embark on a lot of stealth endeavors to do that. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Well, that actually is also bringing this into an NES game that came out called Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which is a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We need need to call a Cartoon Network or something. (laughs) We do. This is unbelievable. We have tons of ideas, and you need to pay us for them, damn it. Exactly. All right. Now, we're we're putting this out for free. With that, I think we're ready to bring this episode of Booking the Bigby to a close. Really good discussion, guys. Thanks for all your ideas. I'm Connor. I'm Jeff. I'm Jessica. I'm Paige. And I'm Grant. And we will see you guys next time on the next episode of Volcano Bake Meat. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and check out our official blog at volcanobakemeat.wordpress.com. If you like the Volcano Bake Meat podcast, 
Let us know by rating us on iTunes and Stitcher.com. It helps us out a lot, and we appreciate it.